Okay, to be fair, you guys only had 10 minutes, and as we talked about yesterday, when they got together to describe God in Westminster Abbey, 1634, they took 10 years to do it. 10 years. Um, you can see that it's hard to come to an agreement on, on stuff like that. It's really challenging. I just want to say, uh, you guys are great. These are, these are awesome. Um, we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of overlap where it's like merciful, uh, loving over here and over there, uh, omnipresent, omnipresent, God's everywhere. That's good and, and a fancy word for it at that. Spectacular. Father and friend, that's nice. Compassionate and wrathful. Whew, that's some tension there. Um, y'all did great. Can y'all can you give yourselves a round of applause for your definition? Really? Is that how that's how jazz we are? That's it? Really? Um, do you guys wish you had more time? Like you could spend like another twenty minutes working it out? Yeah. What was the hardest uh, what was the hardest like thing to describe about God? Or the the, the thing that was the most most debated in your group? What's he? What he's made of? Oh, that's good. Is he spiritual or does he have a body? Just I. It's hard to figure out if we should put in like the negative characteristics or just like loving and gracious. Ah, are there negative characteristics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harder, harder to grasp, right? Challenging characteristics. Okay. Um, here's the question I want to ask of both of these definitions. We'll start over here. So we got twenty words. How many truths about God are in this definition? Let's uh, let's count them uh, together. So we've got God is two words so far, no truths yet. Destroyer, that's one, right? Creator, two. Y'all count out there. Two. Sovereign. Louder. Provident. Four. Father. Five. Friend. Six. Just. Seven. Merciful. Eight. Loving. Nine. Wrathful. Ten. Omniscient. Eleven. Omnipresent. Twelve. All right. Twenty words. Twelve truths. It's pretty efficient, right there. A lot of ands. A lot of ands thrown in there. That's that's um pretty costly as far as your, your word count goes, but 12 truths, that's pretty good. Alright, let's see how we did over here. God is a creator, compassionate, wrathful, emotionally sound, omnipresent, source of life, savior from sins, perfect, merciful, loving, wise. Eleven truths. Okay, so these defini- that, that definition of God in 20 words or less says 12 truths about God. Uh, this one says 11 truths about God. Again, pretty good. Pretty efficient. This group wins on efficiency just barely. Got a couple more truths in there. We had some phrases in here, like source of life. Uh, pro tip, you could have gone life giver. One word, take it from three down to one. And then you're, you're, you're up to, you keep your 11 truths, but you drop down to 19 words. I would have done. And you would have included faithful. You would have gotten 12 truths. You would have actually, actually beat them. 19 words, 12 truths. 
20 words, 12 truths. So that's, it's not a competition, though. You guys are all winners. That was great. You did, you did amazing. Um, all right, here's what I want to do. We are going to look at how the Westminster Shorter Catechism describes God. And we're going to do the same thing that we just did uh, with y'all's definitions and see how they did in the words that they used. Um, it's the fourth question of the Catechism. Let me point this out first. Uh, question four is, what is God? And Elizabeth bit on the bait right when she walked in and said, what is God? Don't you mean, who is God? Um, why do you guys think the question is, what is God, instead of, who is God? Which is what we expect. Why, then? Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Very good. Um, is God a who? No. Raise your hand if you think God is a who. Not like from Dr. Seuss. He's not a who. He doesn't live in Whoville. But raise your hand if you think God is a who. Like if we said uh, God, comma, like who is in heaven or God, comma, that is in heaven. Or God which is in heaven. Is God a who? Should he be described as, as who? Yes. Alright, raise your hand if you think yes. Yes, God is a who? Uh, I guess the question would be, is God a person or is God a thing? So, those who think he should be described as a who should say... So, but is it like describing something as too exclusive to people only? Like, can we just, even though he's not a person, can we describe it yeah. as a who? That's what I was saying. Yeah. That was just kind of spirit. Spirit was still right. Who is, like, describing him in our image, not us in his... Yeah. How about we just... Alright. Alright, let's, uh... I'll say this. God is a who. God is a person. God is knowable, just like you and I are knowable. God, all throughout Scripture, is described as a who. You guys will recognize this passage. Who is a God like you, forgiving sin to the thousandth generation? Who is a God like you? So God is a who. But they still ask the question, what is God? Why would they do that? Because in the God, I've always been an idea. Separate from each different God, the idea of a spiritual being God. Okay. Question. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's that's totally good. Um, if the question was, who is God? It would assume a certain kind of answer. Like the question itself would assume that God is a person. That God is knowable. Uh, that, that you could be in relationship with that being. So they, by asking the question, what is God? They just blow the doors wide open. The question is as broad as it possibly can be. So even though God is a who, who's knowable, who's understandable, who we can relate to, they ask the question what? So the question is as broad as possible. Because if you ask the question, who is God? There are are people who uh, are part of other religions that don't believe God is a who, that don't believe God is knowable or understandable. So they want to ask the broadest question uh, possible. Alright, here is uh, the answer to Question four. Let's uh, let's all read this together. I made the second class do that yesterday, and it was fun. So um, so I'm going to ask the question: What is God? And then we'll say this together. Okay, here we go. What is God? 
God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Alright, y'all tell me how many words are used in that definition. Somebody count them. Okay, and how many truths about God are included in that that definition? Eleven. Alright, so we've got how many words? Eighteen words. And eleven truths. And I would say, well, unchangeable is like connected to the other words. Unchangeable in his beast, like that's one. Unchangeable in his wisdom. Ah. So it would be. So it would be four times. Two, three, four times. Eight, eight, four, eight, eight, seven, eight, nine, Alright, this is why the catechism is so cool. We're going to take this answer and open it up. I remember uh, I had a pastor who did this for me and my head exploded right after he he said it. So, um, this is the answer that they give and here's what that answer looks like. We We just sort of break it open and see what is it that they're really trying to say. So, God is a spirit. We handle that. First, Jesus actually uh, said this. He said this to uh, the woman at the well. John chapter 4, you know, they're having that conversation. He said, God is a spirit to her, like in its own little phrase. So we get that truth from Jesus himself, which is pretty cool. Okay, so God is a spirit. He's infinite in his being. He's eternal in his being. He's unchangeable in his being. And... He's infinite in His wisdom, eternal in wisdom, unchangeable in wisdom, infinite in power, eternal in power, unchangeable in power, infinite in holiness, eternal in holiness, unchangeable in holiness, infinite in justice, eternal in justice, unchangeable in justice, infinite in goodness, eternal in goodness, unchangeable in goodness, infinite in truth, eternal in truth, and unchangeable in truth. That's 18 words, 22 truths. 22 truths about God. Um, That's like a sweet literary ninja move that they did. uh, To keep the answer as short as possible, but to say as much as possible about God. Um, Here's what I want to do. I I just want to take a minute to pick out a few of these. There's 22 truths that we could look at, but I want to pick out just a handful of them. Um, And we're going to talk about them and see if they're really true. So, uh, let's do that. First, God is eternal in His being. So, God is, a, God is a spirit, and we can make the connection from Him being eternal in His being. That's one of the things that they want to say to us about God, that God is eternal in His being. Um, Psalm 90 says, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Um, 
don't want to use a big word for the sake of using a big word, but one of the ways that we describe God is that He is pre-existent. God is pre-existent. Which means that before everything else, God was always there. He always has been there. Um, Sometimes we can get caught in this little mind trap where we go, okay, um, I know that there's this idea that like long ago, maybe it was like 5,000 years ago, maybe it was like 6 billion years ago, there was creation and everything came out of nothing. Maybe there was a big bang. Maybe God spoke it into being. Uh, But what was before that? And then somebody will say, well, God was before that. And then we get the really hard question, which is, what was before God? Or who made God? And the answer is no one. There was never a time when God didn't exist. He's eternal in His being. He's always been there, and He always will be there. He's always existed, and He always will exist. That should boggle us just a little bit. It sort of like hurts a little bit, right? In the middle of our brains to think that He's always been there and that He always will be there. Um, Gavin, when were you born? Uh, January 17th, No way. I was born in January also. Good man. Good parents. Um, uh, tell me your name again. Emily, when were you born? December 21st, 2002. 2002, a couple of 2002s. Anybody before 2002 other than Josiah? Yes. When were you born? November 17th, 2000. Anybody before 2000? Nobody? That would make you 20 years old if you were before 2000. When were you born? September 26th, 2000. 2000. Wow, 2000, baby. That's so fun. Um, you know God was never born? Like he never he never started. He he doesn't have a beginning. Uh, he's always been there, and he always will be there. That is just one of the twenty two things that they want to tell us about about God. That Scripture tells us about God. That's the other thing too about the Catechism is uh, I said this yesterday. It would take a decade of really intense, like, everyday Bible reading for us to arrive at these truths. And to be able to put them all in a concise answer like this uh, is absolutely incredible. And if, and I strongly suggest, that you pick up a copy of the Shorter Catechism, get one that says, the Westminster Shorter Catechism with Scripture Proofs. Which means that every single word in this definition and every single truth in the entire 107 questions of the Catechism is attached to a verse in the Bible. That's where I got these verses that I'm going to show you. Okay, so God is eternal in His being. What questions do you have about that? Moving right along. Uh, God is infinite in His justice. Now, mind you, I'm just picking out of these uh, truths, so I'm not going to use a Sharpie. That would be dangerous. Um, God is a spirit who is infinite in His justice. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, All His ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Um, have you ever had to like referee something? A little kid soccer game you have? Yeah, okay. Um, 
I don't like being a referee because it's it's sort of a like uh, it's it's a challenging position to be in. And the reason that it's challenging is because sometimes uh, you have to make a judgment call that is going to make one team upset. Like they're convinced that they won the point and the other team is convinced that they won the point and you have to make a call. And sometimes if you're a referee, you make the wrong call. Sometimes you make the wrong call. Um, God has never made the wrong call. He has never made a bad judgment call. He's infinite in justice. Um, I was watching recently the uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, the documentary about the O.J. Simpson murder trial in the early '90s. Fascinating. Not sure I'm really allowed to endorse it here publicly, but. Uh, that trial lasted for uh, months and months and months, and it was amazing to see the way the jury, who was going to actually have to make the decision about whether he was guilty or not guilty, it was amazing to see them come to a breaking point as they were forced to make a decision. I mean, it, it wore on them that they had to make a really, really challenging judgment call about this case. Um, this is a comfort to me, and I hope it will be to you. Um, Every wrong that has ever been done in the universe throughout all time will be dealt with by God, the judge. Russ talked about this last night, that vengeance belongs to the Lord and He'll make it right. Um, you know, sometimes I, I can get like worried about either things that people have done or the way certain people are in their relationship with God if they've, they've done certain things. Or I worry about uh, even the judgment of God can be a scary thing to think that God is the judge. But it's a comfort to me to know that He is perfect in justice. Perfect. He's never made the wrong call. Never ever. He's infinite in justice. That's good news. Okay, let's do uh, one more. God is unchangeable in His truth. Titus 1, 2 says God never lies. God never lies. That's pretty cool. So God is unchangeable in His truth. Um, Does your story ever change? Like if you're doing something that you're probably not supposed to do and you sort of get that sense that you're about to get caught or you do get caught... Um, and you try to wiggle your way out of whatever you did by changing your story. God's never done that. God's never done that. Um, have you ever formulated an opinion about someone or something and then decided like days or weeks later that you were actually wrong on that opinion? Um, God has never done that. He's, he's never said anything that's not true. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I'm already toast today on saying stuff that's not true. Like, I, I, will, uh, I will adjust what I want to say just to make it through a conversation. How about this one? Uh, somebody says, how are you doing? Fine. So we don't even think about it. I'm not saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't say that. But if I'm not having a good day, I'm not going to be honest with that person. I'm just going to say fine and keep moving. God has never done that. He's never done that. He's never lied and He's never even twisted the truth. Never. And He never will. He's unchangeable in His truth. Um, and that is also good news for us. Um, 
All right, this one is an add-on. We were only going to do three, but I feel like we've got to include this. You know, one of the things that's uh, missing, both of you included in your definitions, is uh, loving. The word loving. Now, the word loving is not in this definition. Um, let me ask you all. Even though the word loving is not in this definition, uh, does it describe God as a loving God, even though the word's not used? Yes. Anybody think no? Does not describe God as a loving God? Um, Exodus 34 says the Lord is abundant in goodness. And this is actually a good place if you guys were going to like like sort of get an advantage from the Bible in one condensed place. Exodus 34 would have been the place to do it because God reveals Himself to Moses and He says, The Lord, the Lord, uh, abounding in steadfast love and abundant in goodness. And He's got all these descriptions of Himself and it's, and it's awesome. Um, but God is infinite in goodness. I mean, we've all done good things. Like had those moments where our heart just like gets, gets warm and we do something nice. God is infinite in goodness. He'll never run out of goodness. Um, I want to close with this because I know we need to go is it time to go right now? two minutes well here's all I want to say yesterday I asked um, you guys to write down why you exist Um, the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism is what is the chief end of man which is a nice 1643 way of saying why do humans exist? why do humans exist? um and the answer that they give is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Have you ever thought about... Yesterday especially, if you felt like, I just don't really know why I wake up in the morning. Like, I'm not like spectacularly talented in basketball. Like, being the number one overall draft pick is like the reason I'm on the earth. Like, if that's not you, then maybe you feel like, I don't know why I'm on the earth. God says to you, I made you to enjoy me. To enjoy me. To look at all of these truths, be blown away, and then say, that's awesome. I'm going to live for you. That's what I want to do. Um, let me tell the story, and then you guys can go. I, uh, I worked at a summer camp years and years ago, eons ago, and we had this special musician that was there the entire week. His name was Andrew Rip. He's not like super famous or anything, but he's super legit. In my eyes, he was like you know Bono or something. Justin Bieber. And um, he was playing music every night, and I was working the sound booth. So I was in the back, like, you know, tweaking knobs and making him try to make him sound good and stuff like that, working his microphone. And so um, we'd been there for weeks. At the very end of the camp, uh, he is about to play his final song, which is like his big song. And before he starts playing, he says, Hey, there's a guy in the sound booth who I'd like to come play with me. His name's Chandler. Chandler, would you like to come down here and play with me? Okay. Right after I like passed out because I was so excited, I didn't think for a second about it. I ran down on the stage, picked up his guitar, and played the song while he played. And people were like freaking out. I'm not going to think the guitar was on, but um, oh I didn't. I didn't. I didn't sit there when he asked me and contemplating, going, "Huh, 
Now let me think about his qualities as a musician. Is he the kind of musician I'd like to associate myself with? Like, what are people going to think of me if I play alongside this guy? Am I really going to have fun down there? I mean, come on, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? Do I really want to be on stage with this guy? I didn't think any of that stuff. The idea of getting to play with him was so compelling to me that I ran down there and I did it. Okay, God is more important than Andrew Ripp. And he's invited you, you, to live for him. And not just one night on stage, like your entire life. To go. He's inviting you to do his work and to enjoy it. And that's why we exist. Um, let me pray in like 12 seconds and you guys can, can get out of here. Uh, Father, you are so good. Would you uh, help us to swim deeply in the water of who you are and be changed by that? I pray that that would happen in the lives of uh, my friends in this room. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.